Well, good morning and welcome to our trial run with some new technology. Uh, first of all, before we get started with this, this sermon that I've entitled, uh, An Active Hope During COVID-19. Uh, An Active Hope for Students and Families During COVID-19. I just want to thank you guys on behalf of the pastoral staff uh, for continuing to be patient with us and working with us as we try some new ideas during this very bizarre uh, and stressful season. Uh, there is no question that we are in strange and uncertain times. And during uncertain times, people can become just as chaotic as the news cycle. Their moods swinging and changing with every story. As we put ourselves at the mercy of every news cycle, looking for relief, we need to remember, now listen, as we put ourselves at the mercy of every news cycle, looking for relief with every news cycle, we need to remember that a boat at the mercy of the waves will never reach its destination. And as Christians, we do not have to float helplessly in this storm. We have an anchor and a guide in Jesus Christ. If your heart and attitude only go with the waves of the news that are changing every day, sometimes every hour, you will find yourself consistently freaked out, frustrated, then peaceful, then panicked again as the stories and reports pull you under again and again and again. But with the help of the Holy Spirit and God's promises, we can do what nobody else seems to be doing. We can swim against this current of uncertainty with confidence. We can cut through the waves knowing that the gospel of Jesus Christ will keep us afloat no matter how far from the shore this craziness takes us. It will keep you afloat in the hospital. It will keep you afloat in anxious living rooms, no matter what happens. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 4 says this. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 4. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. We have an inheritance, a treasure, a joy reserved for us in heaven that no virus or panic or hysteria can ever touch. And Peter says in verse 3 that we have been born again to this hope. This is who we are. As Christians, we are people of hope, and we need to act like it. If your hope doesn't impact your behavior, it's not real hope. If your hope doesn't impact your behavior, it's not real hope. And we have been given real hope, a living hope, according to verse 3. This word for living in verse 3 means active. It's an active hope, meaning the future reality of this hope actively impacts our actions in the present. I want to say that again. We've been given an active hope, which means the future reality of this hope actively impacts how we act in the present. Put another way, it isn't just some mansion in the sky waiting 
No, we're getting the house of our hearts renovated right now. And instead of Chip and Joe doing it, it's Jesus. In light of who we are as a people of active hope, that hope should be impacting our actions now. We are lights during this panicked time in history, Matthew chapter 5. So how do we do that? Well, here are five things for students and families to remember. There's not too much that can be done, I'm sure you know, in terms of a virus physically. But if I can, here are five maybe spiritual vaccines that can help us. Ways that we can be light to each other and to our community. Number one, and this isn't the most important one, but I'm going to spend the most time on it because I think it's the most pressing immediately. Number one, create a social media environment where positivity is rewarded and negativity is ignored. Let me say that again. <clears throat> create a social media environment where positivity is rewarded and negativity is ignored. The Atlantic released an article back in December talking about how social media is literally changing the nature of democracy as we know it. In 2017, NYU released a study showing that any post on Twitter, I want you to listen to this, any post on Twitter with a moral or emotional word in it automatically becomes 20% more popular than those without. Any post on Twitter with a moral or emotional word in it automatically becomes 20% more popular, 20% more retweeted than the posts without those things. That same year, the Pew Research Center released a study showing that posts on Facebook, parents, I hope you're listening, posts on Facebook exhibiting anger or disagreement with something received twice as many likes and shares. Posts on Facebook exhibiting anger or disagreement with something received twice as many likes and shares. This data is just the tip of the tip of the iceberg, and it shows us that social media is literally wired for emotion. Wired for emotion, pun intended. Posts with raw emotion will be shared and liked more. And the important thing to see there is that that emotion does not have to be based on good research or logical data. It simply has to set people off one way or the other. On social media, clicks and views are king, not logic or sense. Discussion, on the other hand, takes time, patience, and give. Social media does not reward any of these qualities. Discussion, true discussion, mind-changing, heart-altering discussion takes time, patience, and give. And social media does not reward any of these qualities. Therefore, social media is not an environment where real, lasting heart change will ever take place. I wrote that in bold, so I'm going to say it again. Social media is not an environment, parents and students, where real, lasting heart change will ever take place. You have as much chance of changing someone's mind on social media as you do of getting dried off in the ocean. It will not happen. 
The environment is not conducive to it. Listen, look right at the camera at me. You are not the chosen one. You will not change all of this. People post because they want to post. They want to be endorsed, coddled, and affirmed. Very little growth happens in a person's life if these are all that they're given. Since the coronavirus outbreak, social media has been filled with so much blaming and so much fear, neither of which is helpful. Neither of these things help us love our neighbor. And most importantly, neither of these things remind us of the active hope we have in Jesus Christ. Social media does not need to be won. It needs to be redeemed. We do not need an online strategy for victory. We need an algorithm for grace. Before posting anything on social media, anywhere for any reason, you need to stop and ask yourself, is this post going to help bring peace to the people around me in this anxious time? Or will it only add fuel to the fire that keeps Satan warm and cozy? Even if your post is correct, see, that's the thing, but, but my post is right. Well, listen, even if your post is correct, does it just spread blame and anger? Even if your post is correct, does it make you seem like a know-it-all rather than a servant? Not that that happens to any of you guys. Even if your post is correct, does it only make people more anxious and afraid? In light of this, I'm calling on all members of PVN and Christians in general on social media. Listen, if you see a post that is ridiculous, if you see a post that only creates more panic, if you see a post that is arrogant or self-serving or any other kind of foolish and useless, do not engage with it. Do not comment. Do not repost showing how dumb it is. Ignore it. Proverbs chapter 26, verse 4. Proverbs 26, 4 says, Do not answer a fool according to his foolishness, or you will become like him. Remember, you are not the chosen one. Commenting on someone's post simply adds fuel to a prideful person. The phrase, bad press is better than no press, that is the saying that social media lives by. You kill a bad social media post the way you kill any other predator, you starve it out. If you engage with a fool on social media to tell them how foolish they're being, even if you're right, you're now part of the problem. On the flip side, encourage grace on social media. Interact with posts that are well-researched, that are kind, that spread good news. Find a good video of a baby laughing at something. Look at videos of old married couples dancing or simply create one of your own. People get online to be comforted in times of trial. And people are more hungry for good news now than ever. Show them that. Like and repost things that offer grace. Be like Christ on social media. Log on not to, not to be served, but to serve. This is how Jesus redeemed the world, and it's how we can help redeem the internet. Number two, people over devices. 
people over devices. As you spend more time at home and less time at school or work, it can be tempting for students and even parents to fill that time on their phones or park it in front of the TV all day. There is a popular phrase that says, as the church goes, so goes the world. Well, as the family goes, so goes the church. It said, as the church goes, so goes the world. Well, I would say, as the family goes, so goes the church. We are being called to be different from the world. One of the ways we are notoriously the same as the world is that we are so busy, too busy, all the time. God is forcing some of us to stay home and rest together. Parents, don't just limit screen time as if what you're doing is a punishment. Replace screen time with something different, with family time, with time outside or board game or trivia time, something. I also don't think technology is evil or bad. Like most things, when stewarded well, it brings flourishing. Watch TV together. Enjoy a show or a movie together. I would also take this time to remind you about Right Now Media, an online tool for every church member that is full of helpful small group studies and curriculums. If it's true that as the family goes, so goes the church. So as the family's doing, so goes the church. This could be a monumental time for the family and the church to grow stronger. God is bringing families together for an extended period of weeks. And while this might sound crazy, we need to remember that God has ordained and orchestrated this to take place. So there must be a goodness in His design. Families will finally have uninterrupted time to work on and address issues together. Spend time together that has been lost for years to the world's busy schedule. This could be a way in which the family and therefore the church becomes stronger than ever. What Satan meant for evil, God meant for good. Two more and then we'll be done, and they're, and they're pretty quick. Number three, and this is so huge, guys. Honor the state's recommendation of social distancing as a way to love your neighbor. Let me say that again. Honor the state's recommendation of social, of social distancing as a way to love your neighbor. Don't get mad at or make fun of people when they don't want to shake your hand. Don't create a culture of foolishness. Don't meet up in large groups. Don't meet up in a big group thinking God will keep me safe. I'm going to let that hang for a second. Don't meet up in large groups thinking God will keep me safe. He is keeping you safe through the health professionals at the WHO and the CDC, giving up-to-the-minute advice and counsel on how to best handle these matters. These organizations are extensions of God's knowledge and of His hand. To the, to the millennials, right, to my age demographic, who this disease may not affect you as harshly, but if you carry it, you can pass it to someone who it will affect harshly. Use social distancing as a way to love your neighbor. Trust these tools that God has given you and do what they say. Fourth and finally, God is still on his throne. Take comfort in that. God is still on his throne. Take comfort in that. Let me give you an example of this to close. 
We typically in person have usually around 700 people on a Sunday morning, give or take. As of yesterday, which would be Monday, Mac's sermon from Sunday has already been viewed nearly 4,000 times. 700 in person, 4,000 times online. Churches from all over Rome, that's not just PVN, churches from all over Rome are streaming services that are being viewed by the thousands. Families are sitting and listening to sermons and music and or watching them, including some family members who haven't been to church in a long time. Now they're literally forced to go. Now the word is finally being brought to them. In all this uncertainty and the strangeness of our times, the gospel machine powers on. Jesus Christ continues unhindered. And his word will continue to spread from homes and couches to quarantined hospital beds. No virus can stop the spread of the gospel. No panic can cause our God to sweat. He sits confidently on his throne, achieving his purposes as if this never even happened. And not only that, using this to achieve, it, to achieve his purposes even further. He sits confidently on his throne and in sickness and in health, his word will not return until it has accomplished all its purposes. Let's pray together. God, we thank you so much for the chance to, to gather and to, and to watch and to listen we thank you so much that you are in control, that you are above all these circumstances, and we pray that no matter what happens in the coming days and weeks, we would faithfully believe that. We would take comfort in knowing that you hate this sickness just as much as everyone else does, and so we ask, Lord, that you would act in, in a mighty movement to fix this. And Lord, while you work in ways that we can't even understand, we ask that we would trust your heart, that we would grow closer as families, and that we would be lights, people with an active hope that you have given us through your mercy. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.